everyone. Welcome to the fifth episode of The Elephant in the Room. Uh, my name is Matt Lawson. Today I'm going to be talking about uh, something that's been requested by quite a few followers. Uh, talking about in August of 2021, the day that I was shot by the police. Now, that sounds a little bit more dramatic than it was. I was shot with a rubber bullet. But what I wanted to talk about was the lead up to when that happened. Um, I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening in have, uh, already know about it, but this is more for the people that aren't aware of exactly what was happening through 2021 uh, into 22 and even now. So back in 2021, uh, I was part of the movement of people that were speaking up against the lockdowns that were happening in Victoria, obviously worldwide. There was a, a pandemic uh, put out there by WHO, the World Health Organization. And here in Victoria, where I live, we were hit harder than anyone else in the world at the time. Uh, I think China's now overtaken us for lockdown days. But at that stage, uh, Victoria had had the longest lockdowns of anywhere in the world. Now, in the lead up to the day that that happened, um, we had protested, uh, had a lot of our protests stifled by the police. Um, been called neo-Nazis, been called all kinds of names by the government. But what was really happening throughout that period was there was a group of people that uh, were looking at the science, were looking at the evidence, were, were having discussions about the precautionary principle, which would have meant locking down the elderly and those that were vulnerable or giving them masking or, or vaccines, whatever they decided to take, um, and letting everyone else live their lives. So the protests were really against the lockdowns of the schools, the lockdowns of workplaces, and the fact that people weren't able to live their lives. People weren't able to go to the gym. Um, people weren't able to, to do their everyday duties. People were being told that they had relationship bubbles where they could go and see certain other people. The rules kept on chopping and changing. And so uh, a group of people were really out protesting pretty much continually through the end of 2020, right into 2021. Now, for the ones who aren't aware, at the end of 2020, uh, around about, I think it was November, there was a protest planned uh, at the Shrine of all places or in that area. Um, and when I say that, it's people talk about the Shrine and say people shouldn't protest there. I don't mean on the Shrine steps. And there's been discussions about people pissing on the Shrine and all these other disgusting things, which I never saw. The people that I saw at these protests were mums and dads and people that had had enough of being locked down uh, in such a draconian way when it wasn't happening in other places around the world. So back in November 2020, there was a protest organised. The police um, spoiled that. They turned up in huge numbers and uh, kettled everyone. Um, what we saw from November 2020 right through till I think it was around about March 2021, was the police using these methods. So from at the start, they'd chase people through the streets. It got to a point where they were using methods where they were kettling. Now, kettling, if you don't know, is where the police form a circle around people and then pick them off one by one. And when I say pick them off one by one, they could easily just walk in there and say, excuse me, sir, you've got to come through for processing because they wanted to give them COVID fines, which I'll discuss in another episode, were never lawful anyway. They were just regulations. They weren't actually laws that had gone through and been passed as a law. So they could have easily gone in and processed people one by one in a, a gentlemanly way or in a kind way, but they grabbed them. They go in five at a time and grab them with the port police, the, the riot police on call for the grandmas and children and stuff. So um, from 2020 right through to 2021, that's the way that they decided that they were going to arrest people at, at these different protests. And the, an infamous one that got a little bit of recognition in the news was the Melbourne Cup Day 2020, 
where people were out protesting and the police kettled them in the heat and fed them water out of uh, buckets that they'd also fed their horses water out of. It was a really disgusting day. And what I did through that period was I decided that I would try and be a person, a voice of reason at each of these protests. So anyone that knows me, I am... I've already talked to you, uh, my first podcast was about my battles with mental health in 2015, 2016. I'm a quiet person. I'm quite a shy person. I would say I'm an introvert, and you have to worry. When the introverts come out, something really wrong is happening in the world. But I uh, am naturally quite a shy person. However, in my life, in my playing sport, basketball, and other things, and at work, I was always a leader. So I was always basketball captain, football captain at school, cricket captain. In the workplace, I was a national sales manager managing, you know, 50 or 60 people at a time. So I knew how to lead people. But the problem within the protesting that was happening in Melbourne was that the Andrews, Dan Andrews government basically made protesting illegal. So anyone that would speak out and it was political uh, conversations was stifled and were given bail conditions or put in jail. So I very early on uh, in 2020 was put on bail. Uh, I actually um, put together a candlelight vigil for people that had committed suicide due to the lockdowns. And I put that out on social media saying, please come follow the show directives and um, light a candle and sit in the park. So two days before that happened, they came and knocked on my door and I came and opened the door in my PJs and I was standing there with a, a, a wrench in their hand um, ready to break in the door. And they said, uh, here's your warrant. They had a warrant with them at the time, although later on the laws changed. They didn't need warrants. They came in the, the door. They uh, put the warrant down and searched through my whole house. I don't know exactly what they were expecting to find, but they took my laptop, which had nothing on it anyway. Um, they they um, took my phone, which again had nothing on it except for a, a heap of kick-ass memes at the time. Um, they took that all off me and took me down to the station where I got strip searched. I got questioned. Um, and later on that day, I, I got um, let off with bail bail conditions that said I couldn't attend. Well, I thought the bail conditions said I wasn't allowed to attend any further protests. But when I looked into it, so I I missed a couple of protests in a row, but then I spoke to a, I rang the police station to ask how long these bail conditions would be. And they actually said, you don't actually have any bail conditions written on here. So someone had made a huge mistake and not put any on there. So I was able to continue attending protests. Now, sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent, but what I was going to say is I decided to take a leadership role, although you couldn't be an organizer of a protest because you would get um, put on incitement charges and put on bail, like what happened to me with the candlelit vigil and happened to lots of other people throughout the movement. I decided to be the person that would be in between the people and the police. So people would see me me at many protests right up the front line, right at the front where the police were trying to intimidate the protesters. And to be honest, protesters sometimes got very angry because they were passionate about why we shouldn't be locked down. So there'd be people yelling and screaming in both directions. And and if I'm honest, a lot of police don't actually know how to de-escalate anything with their voice. They reach for their pepper spray far too quickly and for their batons as well. And I would get in the middle, right at the front. And the amount of times I got pepper sprayed between the end of 2020 and the middle of 2021, I was getting pepper sprayed and people joke about it. I would get pepper sprayed at nearly every single protest. And you've got to think back to these other protests that have happened uh, around the world or in Australia. 
I had protested for trees not being cut down. I protested for our indigenous land rights. I protested about um, contamination of rivers up in New South Wales around um, Forbes and the Murray River and different places. Never before had I been uh, pepper sprayed. I've been arrested before, but never pepper sprayed. And the arrests usually just end up giving you a warning anyway. So to be pepper sprayed continually, literally I got pepper sprayed at a protest in November. I got pepper sprayed at a protest in February, in March. And you might think, you're an idiot. Why did you keep going back? But I thought the best thing I could possibly do was stand for our rights because they're getting stripped from us very, very quickly. And if there's laws and, and regulations getting put in place that aren't fair and reasonable, which is what's coming out now after these lockdowns happen, then we need to make a stand. And that's what I was doing. But I was always like a peacekeeper trying to keep the angry people from the protests away from the police that didn't, didn't know how to de-escalate things, but always ended up getting pepper sprayed or whatever else. Through the start of March 2021, we actually had some successful protests where we got uh, five, 6,000, 10,000 people out at these protests. Um, one of them was at Flagstaff Gardens and walking around towards um, the hospital there, the Alfred. And unfortunately, that one where the police had liaised with protesters, no organisers because that would get people on incitement, but they tried to liaise with different protesters about where the route was going to go and where people were going to walk. And yet, even on that day, people got pepper sprayed again because all it takes is a few trigger-hungry people who feel like the best way to de-escalate something is to go for their spray. So again, on that day, I got pepper sprayed. I ended up just kind of uh, understanding what it tasted like and understanding how to, to get away from the, the stinging in the eyes or whatever else. Um, that was in March. Then there was a couple of uh, other smaller rallies. And then in July, so July... 24th, 2021, there was a big rally that went on in, in Melbourne. Um, and at that one, again, I ended up being, because there was a group of organisers, I ended up being the person who was liaising backwards and forwards and saying, you know, we're all peaceful, we're all friendly, we're all here for our rights. There was a section where people got kettled at Flinders Street Station. So where Flinders Street Station meets uh, Swanston Street outside the, the train station, the iconic Flinders Street Station, people got uh, kettled there. I don't know why the police love this kettling thing so much. At that time, we were in lockdown and people weren't meant to be out, but there was tens of thousands of people there. So they kettled them in. And what ended up happening was people broke through the line and I helped de-escalate the situation with my voice because that's how it should be done. So I got between the people and the police and I said, just let the people go. There's not going to be any violence because the police kept on going with this rhetoric of they're being violent protesters, but there definitely wasn't any violent protesters there. There were young families, young um, women and men trying to stand up for their human rights to be able to go to work and to be able to support their families and to live a safe and happy life. There were people there that were vaccinated and there were people that were not vaccinated. And that's the thing that people don't realize from the outside. They were getting told these were anti-vax marches, but it was people that were jabbed and unjabbed saying that the rights should be there for us to work and for uh, us not to have these passes like what they used to have back in the old days, back in you know Germany and other places where you had to show your, your green card to be able to move around. So on that day, I helped people when the kettling opened up because people pushed through. I made sure no one got hurt there. They did another lap of the whole city that day. Um, ended up back at Burke Street Mall and people started doing some speeches there. I was lucky enough I got up and spoke. Uh, I'd learned to speak publicly a little bit better at these times. But I was always coming from, and if you ever saw 
me talking at these rallies, I was coming from a place of peace and love and kindness and understanding. So I'd always say to the police out there, you have a choice to make. You you can either follow the narrative of a government because the police aren't meant to work for the government, remember. They're meant to be there for the people. But they were following and being politicised and used for the government narrative. So I would always say you have a choice. You can say no to these people. And I would say to the doctors, you have a choice. And at that stage, we didn't have a lot of doctors and nurses speaking up. Um, later on, they came on board and started speaking up about, you know, how there was still transmission of this disease and, and infections, even though this jab was meant to be a miracle cure. Because back in July 2021, the government was basically saying we need uh, 80% of people jabbed to have herd immunity. Herd immunity went from being uh, the amount of people that got an infection, then when it got to a certain number, you'd have herd immunity. So you must have 80% of jabs. Then they later on, the rhetoric went to 90% and it went higher and higher. Now, the end of this protest, everyone went back to Flinders Street and everyone was trying to get home. The, the police tried to block people in. And I was like at the front again saying, people need to go through the train station to get home. That's the way they've got to go home. There's no other way for them to get through. And I was plucked out of the crowd and dragged off with handcuffs on. And there's a video that goes around at the moment uh, where I was laughing as I was getting dragged away. Because I'm like, dude, I was there in the middle making sure that the, the protesters and the police weren't getting hit. And yet I'm the one getting dragged off. So that was the big lead up towards the day where I got shot. And then, so that's July 24th. Then the next protest, which was a worldwide rally, was set up for August 21st. 2021. And that's a day that changed my whole entire life. So the morning of that protest, I remember because we're in lockdown and they were really pushing for the jabs. I remember being at home and thinking, I don't have a good feeling about this day. And I kind of like spoke to people I knew and said, I don't know if I'm going to go. And I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to go in there. And I ended up in the city. And at this protest, there was a huge crowd. Like, it was big. It was a big protest. And the police wanted to stifle this. So they don't want big protests when they've got a um, – the, the narrative is that everyone needs to be jabbed and to have all these people out. And no one's getting sick. So no, none of these people are catching COVID, this deadly, deadly disease. No one's catching it. No one at the protest is getting it. And so – we're there at the protest and, and marches, start, uh, people start coming in from all different angles. So quite often before these protests, people sort of wait in the wings and then they all end up in the one spot after going through checkpoints and doing whatever else because they're determined to stand up for their rights. Now, a week before August 21st, Dan Andrews had closed all the playgrounds to children. But no scientific evidence on why, no reasoning at all for why they would close the playgrounds. That was the one outlet that parents and children had in that time of lockdown. And he just said, nah, we're closing all the playgrounds. So at this protest, there was more women and children than ever before at a protest in Melbourne. And it was big. And everyone marched up and they all ended up outside uh, Parliament House. And when they got to Parliament House again, the police did their kettling tactics with their horses and uh, large numbers of police uh, present. And I was a little bit of a way back and I was like walking up going, why are they doing this again? And I saw a police officer that I'd seen at other, other events and I said to him, what are you guys doing? You're going to cause injuries by doing this with the horses and there's children and there's parents and there's women. Like, why are you doing it this way? And when I got up there, um, the people who were inside those lines just decided they'd had enough. There was enough numbers not to be kettled, so they pushed through again. They broke through the line, and in that chaos, there were police hitting people with batons, there were horses in people's faces. 
it was chaotic. It was crazy. And I was like just getting through helping women, children, elderly people get through. A young kid got pepper sprayed straight in the face from short, close blank, uh, short range, point blank range. And I sort of said to the officers, do you feel good about yourselves? Do you feel good about what you've done? And at that moment, there was an officer to my side who had a blood nose, nose uh, blood pouring out of his nose. And I turned to him with a tissue and said, you need to look after that. Look after yourself. Please, please look after yourself. So we all have a heart and people care about other people around them or they would not be out there protesting in the first place. On top of that, in my inbox on Instagram, I was getting anonymous police officers. I was getting doctors, nurses, all kinds of people inboxing me saying, these mandates are unfair. I have read about these jabs and it doesn't, it's not something I want to put in my body. So for anyone out there who's not 100% aware, there are a lot of people speaking up about this. There was a silent majority saying, I don't think these are quite right, but they were getting coerced into getting them. And so that's what these protests were about. And they weren't angry, unruly people. Until the police arced up or did what they were doing as part of a political arm, the people were very peaceful. So that's something I want you guys to understand. Now, from there, the march went back around, down through, through some main streets, thoroughfare, came all the way back around. And as we were walking down Elizabeth Street towards Flinders, as we turned the corner onto Flinders Street, people were calling out, they're blocking us in, they're blocking us in. And I was like, that sounds crazy. Why would they do that? They've already tried to do that and people have broken through. So I walked through from about halfway back in the group and headed up towards the front. And as I was getting up towards the front, there was a large police line right where Flinders Street Station on Swanson Street intersects, not letting people go through. And as I was moving to the front, I'm saying, this is crazy. This is actually crazy. Why are they trying to do this? And as I got closer, I saw there were a group of women, some of my best friends from within the movement were at the front trying to keep the peace between uh, hostile um protesters who are upset because they just wanted to have their rights uh, upheld to be able to walk through the city and protest against a government that was very, very corrupt in what they were doing with these lockdowns. And the police that were decided that was their line in the sand, they weren't going to let people cross. They, they, they were, they were going to die on that hill and they'd had enough. So you had anger from both sides and like a lot of anger. And as I pushed up to the front, I could see people were getting pepper sprayed, People were getting like yelled at, abused by the police, and people were abusing the police. There was things getting thrown. There was all kinds of crazy, chaotic things happening. And this is what happens when you're at a protest and it gets escalated instead of de-escalated. It was mismanaged, and I think that it was horrendous. But again, as I said earlier, part of the reason why this happens is because no one can be a leader at the protest because the government put in place incitement laws so no one could actually say, we go this way, we go that way, we do anything else, because they would be thrown in jail. Now, as I got right up to the front of the protest, trying to call out that we need to de-escalate this and we need to have people... Um, be safe and have a safe thoroughfare because people want to get back to Parliament House to have their voices heard and then go home. What happened there was they people at the very front were still getting pepper sprayed as they were trying to push through. So in the end, all the people in the front or the front half of the protest just linked arms and said, we're not going to go anywhere. We're here. This is our, our place. This is our city. And we deserve to have the right to protest against a government that we feel is inept and corrupt. At that moment, that's when all the shit hit the fan. The police, uh, you would have maybe seen a video. If not, I can always put it up on my Instagram. There was a video of a police officer saying, okay, pussies, here we go. 
what had actually happened was the um, riot police, the, the chief strategist commanders, and I know this because I'm going through a court case right now, the chief police had said, bring in the, bring in the guns, bring in the weapons to, to push the people back. Now, this is a crowd that doesn't have weapons. This is mothers and children and, and people there trying to stand for their own freedoms, and the police are bringing out weapons. So I was right up the front, and I saw what looked like a gun, and I was like, what is that? I said it over and over again, and there's video footage of it where I'm going, what is that? What is that? You're not going to use that. There's no way you're going to use that here. And as I said that, I could see that the guy next to the police officer next to the guy with the gun was saying to him, that guy right there, that guy. And the guy turned, he was still fiddling with his gun and shot me. And he shot me several times and I felt it hit my wrist. And I turned <coughs> to the ground and fell over down on the ground with my back towards the weapon. And I was like swearing a lot. I'm not going to reuse the words now because I don't want the podcast taken down. But I was swearing. And then in my head, I said, well, actually, that just feels like a paintball. It was just like a little paintball. I learned later on that these were pepper gun pellets. So they're meant to be shot at the ground. So pepper spray goes up in the air to disperse a crowd. But I don't think that our police know how to use these weapons. If you look them up online, if you look up pepper, pepper guns or pepper spray guns, they're meant to be shot at the ground to let pepper spray go up and disperse the crowd. This guy shot me directly in the hand, in the body, in the waist, um, so I turned around, but I said to myself, no, I'm not taking that. And I stood back up and I said, do it again. I was obviously in shock as well. You are in shock because you never expect the police to shoot at you ever. Think about it in your wildest dreams. Would you expect the police to shoot at you ever? If you've ever been to a protest anywhere to stand for human rights. And so I stood up and said, do it again, thinking I was going to get shot by the guy with the pepper ball gun again, and I would be okay. And then I would be able to talk to the police and say, this is crazy. Let's just disperse and let the crowd walk back to the parliament to have their say and go home. At that moment, a gun went off to the side of me, to my left-hand side, and a massive round bullet hit me in the stomach. So you're talking about around about four and a half inches tall and about two and a half inches wide, like a squash ball, hit me right in the middle of the stomach, right below my chest right in the dead center and it took the wind out of me it's like the hardest i've ever been hit i've done boxing i've done other things basketball football never been hit as hard took all the wind out of me i went and turned my back to them again because that's the instinctual thing instinctive thing to do and in my head i actually thought that i was down for about a minute but when i looked at the footage later on i was down for about 10 seconds in my head, I was saying, you can't stay down. If we want our freedoms in this country, you can't stay down. And people would laugh and say, freedoms, you guys are all anti-vaxxers and you're all crazy anti-science. No, we're standing because if a government erodes your freedoms, they do it bit by bit. They don't do it all at once. And you finally turn around a year or two later and you go, wait, how did we lose all that freedom? And it's because they put things in place that never go away. Be aware of that. So I turned back around and I was like going back to start arguing again when people pulled me back into the crowd. And it was when I got pulled back into the crowd, I actually thought to myself, man, that really, really hurt. And I pulled out my top. Um, I think there's footage of me speaking to a couple of the media guys there. I pulled out my top and there was a big welt in the middle of my stomach um, and then went back into the protest and we all marched back around the other way. We all ended up back at Parliament House anyway. <laughs> and then we all dispersed. So everyone just dispersed and went home. So that's the day uh, that I got hit by a bullet. Um, 
the next couple of days, I had a massive swelling uh, edema in the middle of my stomach. It was all full of blood. It turned into a massive bruise, which I posted in various uh, social media outlets. Um, I can tell you for the next six well, six weeks, I had a bruise at all. But the only thing they can do, they can't drain it. So the bruise had to run down into my lower stomach and get out of my body. Uh, it was really painful. I ended up in hospital. Um Long term, it's given me so it actually affected the very that's the very top of your stomach there, part of your bowel and uh, your stomach. So what I've then had is from there, I had a hiatus hernia. So I've had full on reflux uh, for the next right up till now. So the next it's nearly eighteen months. It's nearly two years since it happened. I still have acid reflux continually. I still have uh, traumatic nightmares about it. I, I, as much as you want to be strong and you're a man and you want to be like, oh, I'm fine, I was okay, I still have these dreams of that day because it was such a, a traumatic moment, something you never expect your police to pull a weapon on you when you're unarmed. I had my hand in, uh, up in the air in one hand pointing to them saying, you're not going to do that. And in my other hand, I had my phone recording. But you have to remember, one of the scariest things for these people, the governments or the police that are an arm of the government is you recording something. They don't want things recorded. So that's what happened to me on that day. I uh, still uh, pulled myself together enough to go back to other protests. Of course, back uh, a couple of months after that, there was the people at the shrine um, and I was at that as well. And I'll do another podcast about that day. And then in November, we had the largest protest that Australia has ever seen with 600,000 of thereabouts. That's what people say, actually. I think it's more like maybe 200,000. It was a lot of people, though, uh, marching in Melbourne for their for their rights uh, when the Kill the Bill um, protests were happening. Because Dan Andrews, as I say, they strip away bits of your rights bit by bit by bit. The Kill the Bill protest was because they were trying to put in a bill where they could uh, fine you uh, $10,000 for being outside of your area and all these ridiculous amounts for standing for your own basic human rights. So they really want to kill protesting in Australia. And the government now is still trying to bring in draconian laws to change the way we live our lives. And I just thought it would be uh, nice to share this story because there's a lot of people out there that don't understand that the police shot at innocent protesters. They shot at peaceful protesters. And even though there were some protesters there that may have been, you know, loud or may have been throwing bottles or doing bad stuff, I was not one of those people. I'm a peaceful person. And you can't uh, target one person and just put them in the crowd with everyone else. My basic principle is to stand for human rights and the human rights of everyone. I want people to be able to protest. Whether I agree with their protest or not, they should have the basic human right to be able to go out and protest, whether it's for climate change, whether it's for um, their, their rights as a gay man or woman, whether it's for um, teachers at schools, whatever uh, it is that they want to protest for, they need to have that basic human right upheld no matter what the circumstance. And we have to understand that everyone's got differing opinions and people are going to think I'm an idiot for going out there and I deserved it. And that's fine. That's not a problem with me for people to think that I'm an idiot for doing it. Um, I just want people to understand that it's really about basic human rights and we need to make a stand for those basic principles because we don't want to live in a country where they get stripped and we have to understand that with climate change and that agenda and what's happening moving forward, 
they have the basic uh, surveillance system set up. They have the police working as an arm of the government so that when they get to a point where they say climate change is uh, push, pushing us into a, a bad spot based on their own scientific uh, studies, which we don't always agree with, they may bring these types of things in place again where you cannot protest, you can't stand up and do certain things. We need to understand that our rights are the most important thing that we have. And they cannot be squashed. They can be not be trampled. They cannot be taken down. And I would do it again. I would do it again a thousand times over because in the end, we all are bulletproof. We all are. We all are so much stronger than what we actually know. And, and we'll always get through everything in life. And I hope you guys understand that. And I hope that gives you an idea of what was happening during these protests. And I'll do more podcasts about this moving forwards. Um, that's about it. I'm going to leave it there. And if you have any questions, just uh, drop it drop it into the uh, questions part. And feel free to share this with everyone. The podcasts are on Spotify, Apple, Google, anywhere you can find podcasts. But feel free to share this to all your social media. Thanks, guys. Peace.